Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. talk about a very peculiar case. We're going to talk about the disappearance of four Asian men who were missing from Orange County, California. Now, these four men were Tony Sasawin, age 31, Anisi Sada, age 29, Johnson Nawin, age 32, and Dan Nawin, age 33. So, these four men, they went on a trip together from Orange County, California to Northern California. Now, the purpose of this trip is kind of unclear. Most articles state that they were there to either pick something up from a friend, look for work, and possibly look at property to purchase. And this is really said with more of a question mark than it's said with a period. No one seems to really know exactly what they're going to do, not even family. So, all four men are reportedly missing since May 16, 2017. They rented a silver Jeep with the license plate number 7UGP903. Now, it appears that one of the men did not take his wallet with him and I want to mention that because later when people are thinking of theories it's mentioned but so far from all I could read and all I could listen to it was only one of the men who was known to leave without his wallet now Anisi Sata one of the four contacted his wife on May 16th he told her they arrived at the location they were supposed to be at and that was pretty much it now his wife later admits she did not know where he had been traveling to she knew it was supposed to be northern cali um there's kind of a guess around possibly being the mad river but early on in the case deputies make it very clear that you know this is just a guess now police are able to find through telephone records that at that time, that call that was made on the 16th was in Berry Creek. Later, they also get witness statements that confirm they were in this location. Then, we hear that the Trinity County Sheriff's Office received information that a friend actually received a phone call from one of the four men on May 17th. In this conversation, he happened to mention they were in Oroville. Deputies also received information that 
1954, Asian men were spotted in the Mad River area near a place called the Burger Bar. These men's cellular phones were used in Stockton, California on May 18th and May 19th. Now, their last known location is in Trinity County, California, but the county's police, Trinity County, they are the ones investigating, but other counties have helped out. For example, Butt County um, deputies, they were dispatched to several locations that they believe the men may have been at. Now, deputies never release why they believe the men were at this location. So we're not sure if a hit, a tip, family, we don't know. We don't know if someone came through and gave them some information, uh, but they helped out. They went to search all the properties. Uh, they found nothing. Now, what they did tell us about these properties is that, one, they all seem to be recently abandoned. Two, all of these areas seem to have some type of association with marijuana cultivation. Again, when they searched these places, uh, again, it looked newly abandoned, but they didn't really have anything they can go off of. A detective, Josh Ford, is cited as saying, unless we figure out why they actually came up here, then we're going to have a hard time figuring out where they are. And I agree with the statement. I think not knowing where the men went and not knowing for sure why they went really held this case back. Um, it's so important that you always have at least one or two people in your life that knows where you are going. Of course, we hope that none of you guys disappear or vanish, anything like that. But it can be something as simple as you get in a car accident. It can be something as simple as... Um, you go into the store and feeling sad so maybe you decide to go to the creek you know and you didn't tell anyone it's really important to make sure you always have one or two people that know one of the tricks I love to tell my friends and family members especially family members that are going on like long drives maybe they're going on vacation or a girlfriend that's going on a date is to put on your um, location uh, your phone because and let one of your friends or family members have access to that that way if anybody hasn't heard from you in a while it's a lot easier for them to be able to look up where your phone was last and that will be able to help them to figure out where to start no one knew where they were going kind of let the public feel really really kind of odd about this case uh, a lot of people you'll see online are asking questions or saying statements about how this is very secretive. How come no one knew? If it was one person, okay. You know, there are some people who are very private. If it was two people, okay. Maybe they have each other and, you know, they're each other's go-to person. But when you're talking about four people, four adults, it's hard to believe that they, all four men, didn't mention any specifics whatsoever. That nobody in their life said, hey, you know, where, what time, what location. Now, one of the things that they thought they may have been doing in Northern Cali is working on a weed farm. And I want to mention right now that 
Marijuana was legal in California at this time. It was legal for recreational use and medical use. And I want to say this because I want to make it clear that going to look for work on like a weed farm, um, it wasn't illegal. Um, as long as you were working on a legal one, it wasn't illegal. It wasn't something to necessarily be very secretive about or lie to everyone about, um, especially like your spouse, um, usually especially involving work, that's one person you kind of want to know what you are. Now, I will say one of the things I have found out about this case is while it is legal, it was legal at this time to grow marijuana, it's not to say that everyone that was growing in this area was legal. Way before things were legal, they have been part farms in this area i mean pot farms going back to the 60s okay um and everybody knew they were there um i bring that up to say mostly keep in mind that when we're talking about anything illegal there is a possibility of some shifty characters now Lala Sata and other family members of Anisi Dan and Johnson went to the Mad River on Monday the 22nd to search for their missing friend or family member. While they were there, a waitress at the Mad River Burger Bar, where one witness stated that they saw them, she said that she had seen four men and this was on the 20th. And later we find out a, a post office worker comes forward and said, yeah, Dan Nguyen had actually came into the post office and used the phone also on the 22nd. So this is when their family is up there looking for them. This is the same day that a postman is saying, yeah, he came into the post office. He asked to use the phone. To this day, the men's vehicle has never been recovered. Foul play is suspected in this case, and this case remains unsolved and actively open. Now, that's pretty much all the official information I could find, but he found some interesting things around the net. So, there's a website, it's called KimKim.com, and there's a thread on this case. Um, a few users claim to be from that area, and they give us a lot of background. One of the first things that one of the users said is, hey, I know when people think marijuana, they think peace and love, but this isn't necessarily a peace and love type environment. Now, this user kept using the term the Emerald Triangle. So, of course, I Google it, I look it up, um, and this is what they call this area. They call it this area because it is the largest cannabis producing area in the U.S. Um, and... One of the things we find out is that actually it's really not out of the norm to see migrants coming to this area to help cultivate cannabis and then, you know, just going home after a couple days, couple weeks, couple months. Um, this is pretty normal. So it puts more in perspective on them going to work on a weed farm. Apparently, you know, this area is very small. They need more workers during harvest season and it's not really a big deal. Actually, in this area, you can actually go, well, at least since the legalization of weed, you can actually go on inclusive smoke tours in this area. Like, it's, it has a lot of people coming down there now. 
um, and people that aren't from the area doing tours one is take pictures and say hey I'm in the Emerald Triangle um, it's not out the norm at all whatsoever there's people that come and they come for reasons other than smoking weed or other than um, cultivating and sometimes it's for both but again both things are legal into the Emerald Triangle, one of the things I found is there is a lot of crime in this area. I mean, in this area, there are rumors of the cartel being there, illicit growers being there, and despite a small population, Humboldt County has a lot of murders. In 2018, it had California's second highest murder rate. And according to Gina Tron in an Oxygen article titled Beautiful Yet Dangerous, What is the Emerald Triangle, the Setting of Hulu Sasquatch? She states that an average of 717 people um, per 100,000 had gone missing in Humboldt County annually. And this is almost double the state average, which is 384. And yes, it's true, some of these people go missing and they're later found they later found out that you know these people just wanted to live off the grid or they went up there to work at the farm and they loved it um that's that's definitely a thing there's definitely people that go there and they're found later years later sometimes but it is also a thing that there's people that go up there and no one ever hears from them ever again or they are victimized and they come out and they live to tell the story and there's others that are killed and later their remains are found um i do want to randomly put in there if you're thinking about the article i just mentioned uh talking about sasquatch um random little t- information sasquatch this is where um people believe sasquatch lives um there's a netflix documentary on it and there was a lot of articles and videos talking about this area they gave you kind of the background but they also talk about sasquatch so if you're wondering why that article that is why now some odd things to keep in mind with this case is that one the car was never found and this is odd Again, it is not often that cars aren't found. Sometimes it takes years, but they're usually found. It's very hard to hide a car. But even odder than that is we found out this car was rented by a friend who was not even on the trip. Now, I do want to state a lot of people point to this also being secretive and kind of really trying to stay low-key and off the grid. But also, let's keep in mind that there's a lot of reason why people get other people to rent a car for them. Sometimes it's age. Um, if you're under the age of 25, it's usually very expensive. And yes, all of them were over the age of 25. But also, you usually have to put down a credit card to rent a car. And if you don't put down a credit card, they usually ask you to put down um, a pretty large amount of money usually between 200 to 500 dollars and they also ask to run a credit check on you and a lot of times people do not want to have their credit pulled just to rent a car 
And it's actually really not that uncommon that someone that may have credit issues or just simply just don't want their credit pool, maybe don't have a credit card, will ask a friend, a family member, um, college kids do this all the time because they simply don't want to pay the fee. Um, not exactly illegal, not exactly something I would advertise or say like, yeah, definitely do, but it's a thing that we know is done. Another thing is Dan Nguyen used the phone from the post office to make a call. And we know that the police were able to track the men's cell phones. So that leaves me to wonder, why was Dan Nguyen using a phone from the post office when it's obvious at least some of the men had cell phones on them? Now, before we jump to any conclusions, I do want to let you guys know Um, A lot of users on that thread I was talking about earlier, they talked about that KimKemp.com, they talked about this area and they said, hey, if you don't have Verizon in this area, your service is going to be really, really crappy. There's going to be lots of places you have no cell service at all. So if that's the case, we don't know if the men had Verizon or not, but they may not have. And that might be the reason he went to the post office because none of their cellular devices had any bars. Another thing, it simply can be as easy as they had um, all on, they were all on their phones and Dan needed a phone and they were all busy. So he just went and used someone else's. Um, and again, when I say on the phone, that can be texting someone that can be playing on the internet or whatever. There's a couple different reasons why he may have used the post office phone, but unfortunately because he used the post office phone, we don't know who he called and we don't know the exact time. Now, you do have users that talk about, "Mm, this possibly means that, you know, they were trying to trace their calls. They did not want people finding out where they could possibly be. Another point is that the family appears to have heard from the men last on May 16th, um, but they had their phones in use. Police at least report they were able to see the phones in use on the 18th and on the 19th. And then we have the spotting at the post office on the 22nd. So it's a bit odd that there's reported sightings of the men and we have activities on their phone up until the 22nd, but no one had thought to reach out to their family. No one had called anyone back or sent any texts. And that's kind of odd, especially since we're talking about men that have children, that have spouses, um, that have brothers, and people that would want to know about their whereabouts. Um, This was kind of really odd. But again, we don't know the reason why they were calling and are not calling. And we don't know exactly who they were calling and why. Now, the family has a Facebook page. It's called SoCal Missing Four. And on the page, you'll see different comments. You'll see people noting different personality characteristics about each missing person. And you'll hear them saying things like, Tony was a good dad. He would never leave his father. And all of those sorts of things. The page was last active um, in 2019 from what I could see. But 
One thing I want to talk about is, let's talk about these pages. Guys, please, when you go on pages and you go on forums, be kind. A lot of times, family members, they are having Google alerts about their person, their missing person's name. They are also searching the web to see if there's any new information out there. As we know, with several cases, family members have stated police have not kept them in the room. They find out information on the news just like us. Um, with that said, they're also on these forums. They're reading the things that you guys are saying a lot of times. Um, and in this particular case, people were very insensitive in some of these forums. Um, and people were saying some really disgusting things with no facts at all. And so I just ask that you guys keep in mind that, hey, there are family members probably lurking and they're already hurt. They don't know where their family member is and they don't need to read a forum where people are trying to demean these men's characters based on things like race, how they look, the fact that they have tattoos. Um, I saw a lot of that and it was really gross because they were saying things that really had nothing to do with the case and were racially biased based on the men's look. Now, back to the Facebook page. I found a comment in July 2017, which was just two months after the men disappeared. Um, and I believe this was a family member. The person's last name on her Facebook uh, was the same last name as one of the missing men. And they report that a phone call had been made and a person said that um, they knew where the men went. They went to meet this guy named Al. Al wasn't there. And that's all they knew. Um, that being said, the person who made that comment also said that they went looking for this owl character and the owl character, they found him, but he refused to speak to them. That is what they're alleging. Um, and they also said the person that originally told them this bit of information later changed her story. And there were some odd things about that story and things going on with both the woman that told her story and this owl character. Now, it seemed that as the story started to grow and as searches were being conducted and so forth, there was some animosity between some of the families of the missing men. Um, in one particular forum, it seemed like two different family members came in. They were from different families and they kind of started going back and forth and you see a lot of you know who was there to help who only searched for a day who was at any of their events or things regarding the missing men who you know just showed their faces and then immediately left and then you also talk about some family members coming and cussing and being rude to people and causing drama um hopefully all of that was resolved but apparently that was going on um when they were doing the searches around the 22nd and as this case was developing and I really hope the family was able to you know come back and really forgive and just stay strong together um one thing to keep in mind is just you know it's a high pressure situation it's a painful situation people process pain differently so the way that person may have acted right as it happened is probably different how, than how they'll act now or a year from now or a couple months from now. And 
they're able to process in a better way as time has passed. So I really hope that families were able to forgive and make amends and work together. Now, there's a couple different theories on what may have happened. We have the lake water accident theory, which is basically because we we don't know where the car is. A lot of times with cases when you hear that they can't find the car, especially years later, um, people start wondering if there was a body of water nearby and they accidentally drove into it. Was there an accident or anything like that? Um, and it's just one of those things that people throw out whenever you hear that the car was never found. Uh, that seems to be the only reason this theory was thrown out there. Another widely spread theory is that there might have been some type of deal that went south. Um, now, this is stated on the fact that the police search areas and they later told us all these areas had something to do with weed growing, pot farms, and that all the areas were abandoned, but it seemed like they were recently abandoned. Like they're like, oh man, no, we got to get out of here. It's going to be hot. Um, and so that seems to be where this is coming from. Also, you know, the location, you know, it's a area where there's a lot of weed farms. So that one is pretty much the main theory you hear out here. You hear some people talk about possible gang-related activities, but none of the men were known to be in any gangs. I really feel like if the media found that out, I really feel like if the police found that out, that that would be something they would release. But there seems to be nothing that indicates any of these men were in, in a gang whatsoever. Now, another theory that gained just a little bit of traction is that and there's also a theory that these men may have been kidnapped and I know what you're thinking that seems kind of far-reached but for this area it's actually not so in 2016 there were actually four brothers who went missing they went missing for months no one knew where they were um, no one could find them no one really had any clues And they returned home months later and they went to the authorities and they told them that, yeah, they were basically kidnapped and forced to work on a pot farm. They were forced to work there for months um, and essentially decided to make a run for it when they figured out that the people who forced them to work and kidnapped them decided that they were going to execute them after the harvest season was over. Now, we're talking about four men. They were kidnapped. They were forced to work on a farm. And they knew that they were going to be executed once harvest season happened. So this is not something that is totally unheard of in this area. So there is a running theory that this is what may have happened to these four men. They may have gone and looked for that guy, allegedly, and couldn't find him and maybe they were like okay let's make a deal with someone else and basically they ran into the wrong people that is a theory that's around the net um, but we don't know we don't know if they were trying to make any type of deal whatsoever um, and again we don't know for sure if any if what they were doing was pot related whatsoever but it seems like it's there's a lot of clues heavily leading to the fact that no this has something to do with marijuana where it was buying selling um going to a farm whatever all the clues that they do have lead to something to do with 
marijuana or pot farms or pot distribution or cultivation. One of the theories you'll also hear is that, you know, there was a lot of robbings in this area at the time. Um, and possibly they could have went there to rob folks, rob people's homes, or try to steal weed from some of the weed farms. Apparently this was a thing that was going on. Um, but none of these men have a history of stealing. Um, no one has really brought that up. Um, I never seen any official source kind of hint towards that. It's just something that some people on the net threw out. Um, but a lot of the times the people on the net that threw that out also made some very racially biased comments. So I really kind of just ignored that. It's one of those things you'll see around the net, but there's really nothing that indicates that that's what they were doing whatsoever. Now, another theory you'll hear about is maybe they went to work. They did go up there to work for a couple days on a wheat farm. That's why they were seen walking around town and they were seen by locals uh, because they actually did go up there to work. But maybe something bad happened and that is why we have not heard from them. Um, this is a theory and this is a theory that also, you know, it would not be out the norm for this area. In fact, in 2012, there was a man named Garrett Rodriguez. He was a 29 year old male from San Diego, California, and he was reported missing on April the 25th of 2013. The last conversation he was known to have was with his father in December of 2012. In that conversation, you know, the son said, hey, I'm headed to Murder Mountain to work on a marijuana grow. And that was the last thing he heard from his son. And Murder Mountain is a nickname for a particular part of that area, that Emerald Triangle area. Which also, again, Murder Mountain doesn't sound like that is a peaceful place. Um, now, on June 2013... Mr. Rodriguez's truck was found, and on November 28, 2013, his remains were found in a grave on private property. Now, we hope that they did not meet with any terrible elements. We hope that they are safe. We hope that they are still alive. We also hope that someone hears about this case and someone that knows something, someone that has seen something, and they are able to call in to a tip line or the Trinity County Sheriff's Police Department and give information that will help loved ones be able to find peace and find out where their family members are, why they're there, and what happened to them, what caused them to stay there. Trinity County Sheriff's Department number is 530-623-2611. You can also go to their website, hoboltgov.org, and they have crime tip forms. They have crime reporting forms that you can literally just do online. I actually went through the form. Um, I didn't submit, obviously, but I went through just to see what the process was like. And you don't have to tell your name. There is a space for you to put your name, to put your number, to put your email, but it lets you go forward even if you don't. And it's anonymous and you are able to report to them that way. They also have a hotline 707 268 and this hotline pretty much is just a secure 
voicemail system. Um, so you don't even have to talk to anyone. You just leave a voice message, say whatever details you want to say. And then at the end of every day, someone comes by and checks the voice messages to see anything new came in. They write down what tips they did have. And then, you know, they go and check them out, whether the person put their name in it or not. These four men have families that are missing them. They have wives, they have children, they have sisters that are still rallying for them. And it's been a long time since anyone has seen them. If you have any information, again, please call in whatever information you have or submit it to the website. This case is still open, it's still active, and we still have no more clues than the clues that we found that year. Just a few months after they disappeared is where police say the trace, the case went cold. Now, as always, I ask that you guys stay safe, stay vigilant, and I will talk to you guys next Sunday. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.